understand if
great job. Boy, I love to hear them sing. They just do a great job, don't they? Amen. Chirp at them a little bit. It'll help them. Amen. All right, turn to Matthew 22 this morning. Matthew chapter 22. It's getting exciting. We're going into March. Spring is coming. Amen. And then Resurrection Sunday will be here. I always love that. Who doesn't love Resurrection Sunday? That's a, that's a top day. Amen. And uh, boy, we're moving along quickly already into this year. Last Sunday of February. Praise the Lord. Well, let me get this thing going here. All right. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that they were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatling are killed and all things are ready. Come, Unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. I'm going to preach this morning on guests and garments. Guests and garments. Let's pray. Father, help me today as I deliver your word, as you gave it to me. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us as your saints to rejoice for the wedding supper of the Lamb is soon to come. But, Lord, there's some here maybe among us, perhaps among us, that does not uh, know the Lord. They don't have a wedding garment. They don't have the righteousness of Christ. And I pray that you, dear Holy Spirit, would do the preaching uh, way beyond my physical preaching. Dear Holy Spirit, take this spiritual truth, apply it to those hearts of those that need to be born again, and they need to be born again today. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Guests and garments. A parable before us this morning, this Lord's Day, this last Sunday of February, has a definite application to the future kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Reading the scripture, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And we have a coming experience with our Lord, that marriage supper of the Lamb. That'll be great. Well, in this um, 
kingdom come, it reminds us that the Lord is coming. He's coming for the church first. Amen. We've preached on that already this year, the rapture of the saints, the catching away, the plucking out of us before the, the great tribulation period starts. Praise God for that. We're not appointed unto wrath. But uh, his kingdom will be established, but after he takes away his saints. And then the Lord primarily will be dealing with his chosen people, Israel, during that seven years of tribulation. But it also shows us this morning a principle whereby God gets his people, his namesake, the church now, he's dealing with Israel, but the church into having a personal relationship with him. There's been a lot mentioned of that this week on the news with, of course, Billy Graham going home to be with the Lord. It's opened an opportunity of discussion. A lot of people are talking about that. I've, I've seen clips of people that talked about their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a good thing. I'm glad it came up this week. I'm glad he's home, and I'm glad we could take this opportunity to talk to people about their soul. Amen? But a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Getting to know him as Savior, and then in your Christian life, getting to know him in a personal way through his book. Lord, I come in the volume of a book. It is written to me. Get in that book and you'll know more about Jesus. Amen. And then it shows us something else about this marriage to come. We're reminded about Christian marriage today. And how the Lord uses good Christian marriages as an example, as he intended it to be, a picture of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. I want to be a good illustration. I want to have a good marriage that's a good illustration to others. Nobody has a perfect marriage. Nobody has a perfect home. No husband nor wife is perfect. No, no, no. But we are a visual illustration of this world when we have a good marriage to represent the Lord Jesus Christ, tell people what that's all about. But this morning I want to deal with seven important prospects or aspects of this parable about the marriage supper. So I gave you the count, seven. We'll be moving along quickly, so don't interrupt me. Okay, here we go. Number one, a suitable spiritual comparison is here in this text. This marriage supper, God is comparing something. Look at again in Matthew chapter 22, verse 1, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, saying... Now the word parable is an interesting word. It means to throw light against. That's a literal, to throw light against. So people will have, they, they can kind of get something and say, oh, oh, that's what he's saying. Light comes. You know, like the light bulb. Oh, yeah. You okay? <laughs> Number two, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Now, primarily this is talking about God's invitation to the Jew. Jehovah God trying to bring the Jew unto him, but the scripture said they would not. So God the Father has made an invitation, and they refuse the invitation, and uh, they're talking about his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what tripped them up. But it is a suitable, if you would, comparison of the marriage supper of the Lamb, thinking about the, the marriage that would come. The Gentiles being grafted in, the Gentiles coming to know Jesus as their Savior, because the Jews rejected God's only begotten Son. But in Romans chapter 7, in verse 2, we read these words. Paul writes, Wherefore, my brethren, also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to one another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Now, what God's saying here is that, you know, uh, in, in this, uh, a marriage will produce fruit. 
unless there's complication, unless there's something else, unless God does not want to bring fruit. But an average, normal situation, a child or children will come from that marriage. Now, God wants to have fruit unto himself for his honor and his glory. And he wanted it out of Israel, his chosen people, and he will get it. One day they will be saved. But then he turned and offered, amen, the opportunity of salvation to us Gentiles. Man, praise God for that. I don't understand all that. I don't understand why Israel rejected it. I don't understand why God allowed it. I don't, I, I'm just thankful for it, Amen. that we have been grafted in. But there's this marriage supper, this feast, an illustration of the type of God's provision, especially God's provision in the gospel. Second of all, we see... The son, as mentioned here, is the central figure. Here in chapter 22, verse 2, he says, And he sent forth his servant, uh, verse 2, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. Notice, for his son. Everything's about the son. It's not about us. You do know that. We tend to think it's all about us. It's not about us. And I'll come back to that. It's about God's glory. It's about God's plan. We get to be in the plan, but it's not primarily about us. You do know that. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. That's the goal, that Jesus Christ be lifted up. All eyes on him. Central figure here. God the Father saying, hey, look to him. That, that's it. That's what we need. to Get up your eyes and look to him, even in your own lives. It's not about you because you're saved. It's about Him. Things that come in and out of our life, it's not about you. It's about Him. He's wanting to get maximum glory, maximum honor. He wants you doing what you're supposed to be doing, no matter what's happening in your life, because you're focusing on Him. We tend to focus on ourselves all the time. The good things, oh, good, good, good. The bad things, poor me. No, it's about Him. He gets the preeminence. Oh, that Christ would be the central figure in our hearts and our minds because he deserves it. All our love, all our loyalty, all our allegiance, not just because he's good to us or good things are happening to us. Hey, bad things happen. He's still worthy. Right now in heaven, he's being worshipped by those that have gone on before us. They're not feeling bad about it. They're not saying, poor me, I'm in heaven. <laughs> no. The former things are passed away. He's, let me tell you, all their life they wanted him to preeminent. He is preeminent every day. And there's, there's no mornings. It's all him. It's all about him. It's all days are days. Nights are passed away. He's got the preeminence. But you know, Lord wants in our life him to have the preeminence in spite of what's happening. We have a tendency that when things are good, we want to praise God. We're supposed to be praising God in spite of. He deserves it. So that's the central figure here, is the Son. Then a shadow given of completeness of all of this. Look at verse 4 of Matthew 22. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which were bidden, Behold, pay attention, get this, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatling, are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. 
And this is a picture of God sending his prophets ahead of time to speak to hard-headed Israel. And he sent many prophets. But what did they do to the prophets? They discounted them. They rejected them. They even killed them. He said, I know what. I'll send my son. They'll respond to him. We'll come to that verse later. It's the hard heart of those Israelites. Same thing happens unto us. It's a shadow given of the completeness of all. It's supposed to be all about him. And listen, he says in verse 4, all things are now ready. The wedding is ready. I was reading something the other day, and somebody had written something about Billy Graham, and they said that Billy Graham was around for a long time because God was being long-suffering and gracious in this church age, but when Billy was gone, Christ would come. Now, I don't know about all that. But I thought to myself, that'd be all right with me. Billy's gone, and here comes the Lord. I, I, don't, believe, I don't believe that's true, but I'd be okay with it if the Lord came. What's going to happen here for a little while, church, we have an open witness. We have an opportunity here. Let's not get into how bad Billy was and all this stuff. That's, that's irrelevant. Right now is people are listening. So now's the time to give the gospel. Now's the time to get the opportunity of talking to people about the gospel. One thing that man did is he got the gospel out. There's an opportunity for us. All things are ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? Amen. For the Lord to come because he's going to get rid of us out of here before he deals with Israel. And let me tell you, buddy, he wants to deal with Israel. That's his wife. Israel is the wife of God. So God has made everything necessary for this wedding. And it's a picture also where God has made everything. He's, he's done everything necessary for our salvation. He offered it to Israel, and they refused it. Hallelujah, we got a hold of it through his grace and his mercy. And that salvation is full and free, and thank God forever. Think about that this week. This, this is a wonderful thing, a shadow of things to come. This marriage supper of the Lamb pointing us to Christ and what is about to happen. All things are ready. The wedding is ready. All right. Why? Because he planned it. John 17, 24. Father, I will that thou also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou hast lovest me before the foundations of the world. I'm glad for God's planning. Man wouldn't have planned this. Man couldn't plan this. This comes from divinity. This comes from God, the heart and mind of God. Uh, Ephesians 1 and verse 4, According to he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God saw a need. He came up with a plan of redemption for the relationship that we can have with him. I'm just a dirty dog Gentile, but I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. So he... He planned it. Second of all, he provided the Savior. His only son. He said he sent his son here in our text. He's making a wedding for his son. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven, that's Jesus, uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. Nobody gets to heaven outside of Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. That's another thing I was glad for this week. I did hear some interviews 
And some people were using the name of Jesus Christ a lot. That's a wonderful thing when you have that opportunity. And I had heard one person mention that they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and people weren't happy about that this week. I'm happy about it. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're here today and you're not saved, you need to get saved. If you're trying to get to heaven by your good works and your, your denomination, your, your you know, baptism, it ain't going to work, friend. You come to Jesus Christ alone as your only means of salvation. Amen and amen. Thirdly, our God has planned how this message of salvation is given out. And of course, that's the good news of the gospel. Men can be saved. Amen. Women, boys and girls can be saved. The gospel, the, the good news is free and it works and it's worked and worked and worked and continue to work. The cross secures, listen, the opportunity of salvation. Now don't get this wrong. A lot of people say, well, Jesus died on the cross, therefore I'm going to heaven. No, it's the opportunity because you must repent of your sins and receive Christ as Savior. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not an automatic deal. You must repent and you must receive. And that's how you get to go. Amen. And he has told us also forth how to obtain this salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace, unmerited favor, we don't deserve it, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Here's the question. Have you received the gift of salvation? Do you know that you know that you know? Some people, even though they've been raised up in a church, in a faith, other churches that have preached clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ, they still in their mind think it's because they've been a good person. No, you're not a good person. Neither am I. Even after I've been saved. So, oh, don't say that. Oh, yeah. I still have that old nature. I still think. I still muse upon things. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be going. Amen. God is long-suffering to me even after I've been saved. Amen. I'm glad it's not up to me. Now, through repentance and faith. Acts 20, 21, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And repentance is an action that brings about a result. Same thing for the body of Christ. You're saved, but listen, every once in a while, God's people, they're messed up. Plain and simple. What are you going to do about it? You've got you to stop your sinning and turn back to the Lord. Repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ after we're saved. I mean, as you're going in the wrong direction, stop, turn around, go the right direction. Amen. That's how people get saved to begin with. They stop, admit their sin to God, ask for forgiveness, start walking with God. But after you're saved, you start getting messed up, full of yourself, going in the wrong direction. What do we do? We stop. We get it right with God. We start going his direction again. Repentance isn't just for getting saved. Repentance is in the Christian life. Amen. Pretty quiet there. Moving on. The cost connected with such a sacrifice offered. Look at the cost. Verse 4. And again, he's, he sent other servants, saying, Tell them which were bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatling are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. The cost connected to this. 
a lot of animals here. Given, offered. It's not cheap. And notice the words, my, my, my dinner, my oxen, my fatling, my. Again, it's all about him and not about us. The cross of Jesus Christ, listen, it's about the Lord, what he wanted, what he submitted himself to. He said, I, I do the will of my Father which sent me. Even Jesus Christ knew to be in subjection to the Father's will. Amen. Now the secondary objective here is in the plan of God here is pretty important that you and I come into Christ. But you're not first. You've never been first. A lot of times people think, well, God did this so we could go to heaven. He did. That's not the first objective. It was for his son to get the glory. It's for his son to get the, to be magnified. Amen. And we like the, see, the, the Jews forfeited, but we got the best of it. The first plan was uplift the Lord. Second plan is let's get these folks saved. They can spend eternity with me. But we tend to dwell on that second thing so much. And when things don't go exactly the way we want to, we forget. It doesn't, we got to avoid that. I was reading something my son wrote this week, and I won't belabor or go into it, but he pretty much was talking about the lifestyle mindset of missionary is that sometimes missionaries go to the field and they still are in that idea that it's all about me when they realize this, it's not about me, it's about the gospel. Even if it costs me persecution, even if it costs me death. See, we have this idea that all these bad things happen, can't be in God's will. They might very well be in the middle of God's will. Because God's got a plan down the road that you don't know anything about. And maybe he had to allow some of this to happen in order for this to happen. And we get all caught up with us, our feelings, how we feel. How could the, get, Stop that. It's never been about you and me. It's about God. It's about his glory. It's about his plan. It's about him being lifted up. And we may never see the reason. Doesn't matter. It's that he be magnified. He gets central position. Whew. You need to think about that this week. Isaiah 53.10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Folks, I, I have personally struggled over this verse. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. See, he's, he's looking for that seed to come. Oh, I wish I had time here. That's why I believe I'm so secure in Christ. I'm, it's about the seed. The seed in you, that saved part of you. It's perfect. It's 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 sealed. It's 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 never going to be lost because of the seed that's in you, the Holy Spirit. That that part in you, that spiritual part in you, not the fleshly part. Of you, that in, listen, we're so saved. It's amazing because it's about the seed planted in us by God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Again. Pointing us to Jesus. I want you to hear this. I read it this week. It's by a man named John Stott. It's about the cross. This is awesome. He said, 
God could quite justly have abandoned us to our fate. He could have left us alone to reap the fruit of our wrongdoing and to perish in our sin. It is what we deserve, but he didn't. Because he loved us, because he came after us in Christ. He pursued us even to desolate anguish of the cross where he bore our sin, guilt, and judgment, and death. It takes a hard, stony heart to, to remain unmoved by a love like that. You and I know people that they just reject it. It takes a hard, stony heart to reject what I just read about the cross. But no one is too hard. We just got to keep witnessing and praying. Let God get through. Only God can do this. But thank God for the cross. We're going to focus on the cross here pretty soon because we're coming up to Resurrection Sunday. So, oh, thank God for the cross. That's the cost of the sacrifice offered. Then, then moving on, this is number five now. I told you seven, so some of you are starting to get happy. Okay. Verse five, the ultimate call and invite to the feast. Now, here's where we're going to park a little bit. Matthew chapter 22, look at verse 3 and 4 again. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatling are killed, all things are ready, come unto the marriage. Now there's an ultimate call going out here. An invite, if you would, to the feast. All things are now ready. Come unto the marriage. There's two calls here. The first call, again, I remind you, is to the Jews in Jesus' day. Jesus gave a literal offer of salvation to the Jews. Don't forget that. He said, well, it didn't work that way. It, did, this, it doesn't matter. I believe, I hope you do, that God made a literal offer to his people. They're the ones that refused. The Bible says in Luke 13, 34, but they would not. You say, yeah, but God knew. He's sovereign. He, of course he did. Of course he did. But it still was an offer. He would have kept his part. But they would not. The second call going out here in the text is to the Gentile. That's you and I. Anybody that's not a Jew. But Israel ref refused that you and I could have an opportunity to receive. Look at, uh, go, go to Romans, if you would, chapter 11. There's several verses here in Romans. We'll, uh, 11, so please go to Romans 11 and follow along with the preacher. We all know Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friend, if you're here today and you're not saved, you can be saved today. Don't put it off any longer. Be saved today. But listen to chapter 11 of the book of Romans, and I want you to look at a few verses and we'll move on. Romans chapter 11, look at verse... Um, 17, if you would. Paul's writing, I believe. Romans chapter 11, verse 17. And if some of you, some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partake of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Verse 19. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Verse 23. He says, and they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, they abide, 
not still in unbelief shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. See, Israel, they rejected this offer. God's so good. He makes multiple offers. I think it was the preacher last week that mentioned that. I, I preached God of the second chance, and he mentioned God of chances, because certainly God has given us a ton of chances. But here Israel said no, and God's going to, He's going to give them opportunity again, but he gave an opportunity for us. Again, the cross by no means saves everybody. You're automatically saved because of the cross. No, you have the opportunity to be saved. Look and live, my brother, live. The Bible is very clear. There must be a point of repentance and a point of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you received Jesus as you? I mean, have you really done that? Or are you just raised up in church? You know, we have this idea, you know, and it's not true, by the way. And some of you are going to get offended with this. I'm a Baptist and proud of it. But I'm not going to heaven because I'm a Baptist. So we tend to look down on the Lutherans and the Methodists. And I don't know. I'm not a Methodist. Maybe the Methodists look down on the Baptists. I have no idea. Or the Lutherans say, well, we're better than you. That's probably what most do. Because <laughs> I know Baptists. That's what we do. We're better than you. That's the Baptist briders. I, I've never got that one. Bunch of, us Baptists are invited to the dinner. The rest of you are the, you know, it's about us, and the rest of you are just guests. And all that goes along with that, John the Baptist and the history of Baptists, and you're not going to heaven unless you're a Baptist. Baloney. If you trust Christ as your Savior, you're going. Amen. We'll, we'll move along. There's a lot of bearded Baptists, you know, historical Baptists. Only ones going are the Baptists. <laughs> I have a joke just came to my mind, but I cannot tell it. I got to keep focused here. Focused here. How did that get in there? I don't know how that got in. It's not a bad one. It's a good one, but it's about Baptists. Amen. But I'm glad I'm a Baptist. But it's not about me. It's not about Baptists. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the free offer of salvation to whosoever will. Amen. And so the the Jews said no, and God said, okay, I'll offer this to the Gentiles. And if you're smart, you're under conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you receive Christ as your Savior, then you're grafted in too. But he hasn't forgot about Israel. He's going to come back to them, and they are going to believe on their Lord and Savior. What a day that will be. We'll already be there. We can rejoice in seeing that happen. Praise God. Finally, and I said finally, so rejoice. The conditions that must be met. Now they're right here in Matthew chapter 22. Look at verse 5. The conditions. Some of you are sitting out there about my last point about Baptist pride. Some of you are mute. I can see it. Some of you are maybe. Oh, I'll just move on. Matthew 22 verse 5. Because, you know, what happens is some preacher that you like preaches that or somebody in your life preaches that and you swallowed that line and you stayed there. Time to move on. Matthew 22 and verse 5, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light or of the sun. For the Lord giveth light to them, and they shall reign forever and ever. Verse 11, he that is 
unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Verse 12, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man. See that? According as, uh, as his work shall be. Uh, the conditions here. Here's this wedding. They've got the offer to come. And here's the thing. The condition is this. You must come on your own accord. The invitation is given. What has to happen now is the response to the invitation. Have you responded? God is a perfect gentleman. He won't force anybody to get saved. He put some pressure. The Holy Spirit is powerful. He, he will urge. He will convince. He will convict. But it's up to us to respond. Amen. You know, Jesus told the Pharisees, get this, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. So it's possible to resist the Holy Spirit. Amen. People say, no, no, when God deals with you, no, no, no. God gives you the opportunity and he gives the offer. It's up to you to respond. And you can say no. Don't say no. Don't ever say no. But God is so good even when you say no. He may give you another opportunity. Like he has Israel. But you come on your own accord. It's a whosoever will gospel. Anyone can get in if they will repent and receive Christ. But you make the choice. John 1.12, but as many as receive him to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Hmm. As many as receive. It's up to you. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, we read verse 17. I'll read it again. It says, and the spirit, no I didn't, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth come. And let him that thirst come. See that? Come on, come on, come to the feast. Come, come, come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Here's the question. Will you? Have you? Offers made. Amen. So you must come on your own. Second of all, you must take the garment provided for you. See this wedding story, this wedding text here talks about a garment that was prepared and was offered and was sent out. So here's a guy in Matthew 22, verse 11 and 12, that comes in without his wedding garment. He comes in brass as anything. You know, even in, in, in many cultures, they have things that go along with weddings. I think it was, um, wasn't it Tom? Tom, you, you got married in California, right? And you had a, a different, you didn't wear a tuxedo, did you? You wore a wedding yeah, so it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a garment, special garment for the Filipino, all right? Did I get that right? I know I was in Mexico preaching, and, you know, over in Mexico, it's, it's like 113 every day. And I go over there, and I'm looking like an American pastor. I got my suit and my tie and all that. That didn't last real long. The, the missionary told me, well, we don't wear suits and ties over here. We wear, and it's a special shirt that the pastor wears and it's it's formal I like it over here it's okay but we're not 113 with you every day so I went along see it's not a, again we're Americans everything's got to be like we think 
I went to Tennessee Temple. I learned from Dr. Lee Robertson to wear long socks so your, your hairy legs don't show on the platform. I was learned to, you know, try to button your coat. I try, but sometimes my suits do not cooperate. <laughs> There's just a certain, and that's fine. But when you go to Hawaii, I was there and had a big suit on, you know, and went to church. I was the only guy with a suit on. Everybody else had like a formal shirt, and they, had, they put a lay around you, you know, the beautiful flowers, they smell so nice. I learned by the evening service to look like them, and I went like them. Okay. I didn't wear my three-piece suit to church. So there, there, so there are certain things, and especially about weddings, they have certain garments that go along with these weddings. All right? This fella was provided a garment. Jewish wedding, that was standard. I don't understand the generation we're in today, like, I was taught when I kid, when I went to a funeral home, I was respectful. I wore the best I had because that person died and I was respecting them. Today, people come with shorts and flip-flops. They come on with blue jeans. They get off work, so I was on my way home. Hey, go home, take a shower, shave, put on a suit and tie, respect the dead. I'm never changing my mind on that. I don't care where we're at. Some of you say, well, I went before with jeans. Shame on you. Respect the dead. Amen. Yeah. I was taught too with weddings. You go to a wedding, you look, you look sharp when you go to a wedding. I believe when you have a wedding, it ought to be formal. I believe it's something important. It definitely for Christians, pictures the bride of Christ and Jesus. And Jesus doesn't come down the aisle wearing flip-flops at his wedding. I don't see that in Scripture. So he wore sandals. Of course he's, no, no. You got it all wrong. So we got the wedding garment. But see, somebody had a better idea. Everybody else had their wedding garment. This guy comes in and I'll just go any way I want to. Sounds like people today. I'll go to church any way I want to. I'll do what I want to. Okay, go ahead. You might be in bigger trouble than you think because in this text here, where's your garment, sir? He said, see that guy over there without a garment? Get him out of here. Did you read that? Yes, sir. That's your interpretation. No, it's right here. Yes, sir. Matthew 28. Look at it with me. Come on, some of you, some of you doubting this. You, some of you have already got a contemporary mind, so come back to here. Matthew 22, verse 11, and I'll reteach you something. And when the king came in to see the guests, see, they were invited, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. What about that? He's unprepared. He don't care. I mean, he freely got the garment. Sent. He saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? Good question. He was speechless. So will everybody else. When they stand before God someday, and they don't have the robe of righteousness that only comes from Jesus Christ. You're not going to get into God's heaven your own way. You're not going to go in there sloppily, haphazardly. You know, I deserve to be here only by the grace of God. Amen. That's good preaching, even if I'm doing it. The garment was prepared, provided. You see, he said, I have all things ready. He said, it's my oxen, my fatling that I have killed. This is my show, he's saying. And you come in here like you think you can come in here? Get him and cast him out. Wow, that's terrible. God's that way? Yeah, God's that way. There's only one way to salvation. 
It's through his son. And you better have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that only comes through the blood that you receive. And it comes through humility where you say, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I repent of my sin and I, I go your way, God. That's the only way. And if you try to get into heaven any other way but the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you're going to be cast out. You say, preacher, is that all that important about you know, how you dress? Yes. I think it is. Because here's what the next thing they did. Matthew 22, 5. But they made light of it. And they went their ways. One to his farm, another to his merchandise. What do you think God's going to do to all those who reject his offer of salvation? His son, Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Jesus. What do you think he's going to do? Well, I'll tell you what he's going to do. Go to Matthew 21. 21 always comes before 22. Did you notice that? In your Bible? 21 always comes before 22. Matthew 21, before we get into this text about a marriage, God's got something to say. And stay with me because we're all, you said, well, preacher, you told us you were on number five a long time ago and you've parked in six. You're right. And I'll be done as long as you hear better. Look, Matthew 21, look at verse 33. Here another parable, there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it about, round about, and, uh, and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went unto a far country. And when the time of fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent another more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. See, we got into chapter 22, but chapter 21, he's telling the Jews the same thing. This is my party, and this is the way we're going to do things. And he's trying to give them an offer, but they reject it. The prophets went ahead. Isaiah, Joel, Amos, they all went ahead, and they rejected them. Some of them, remember Jeremiah? He killed them. But verse 37, here's, here's, the, here's the big thing. But last of all, he sent his, unto them his son, saying, they will reverence my son. And when the husbands saw the son, they said unto him themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. Kind of sounds like Calvary, don't it? Hmm. And they caught him and they cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do to those husbandmen? Hmm. I say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vine vineyard unto another husbandman which shall render him the fruits of their season. Israel did not receive it, but the Gentiles did. Jesus saith unto them, the Jew, did you ever read in the scripture, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to the nation that bringeth forth the fruits thereof. That's chapter 21. Then he goes into chapter 2 and he tells them, hey, let me review something here for you. Again, I went to school. I had English 101 before I could take English 102. And so the Lord's being very plain here. He's in English 102, King James Bible <laughs> for us, English-speaking people. He's letting us know here the same thing. Israel rejected the word, rejected the prophets, killed the son. 
And he's reminding them, you are all got this wrong. It's not about any of you. It's about lifting Jesus up. Amen. That's the ramification of those who refuse the gracious provision. This man didn't come in with his garment. He had a better plan. And God said, said this, bind him hand and foot and take them away. Cast them into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That application, God had offered Israel redemption and salvation, but they refused. Psalm 98.3, He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. He told them again in Isaiah 45, 22, Look unto me, all ye, and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. 52, 10, The Lord hath bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. God offered Israel salvation first. I love this verse. Listen to this verse. Psalm chapter uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 30, verse 4. I love this. If you know a Jewish person and they haven't listened to you, show them this verse. Proverbs 30, verse 4. Who hath ascended up into the heaven or descendeth? Who hath gathered the wind with his fists? Who hath bound the water, waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? What is his son's name? Yeah. If thou canst tell. <laughs> God's got a son. What's his name? I'll tell you his name's Jesus. Yeshua. And God is telling Israel, hey, 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 hey. I sent my prophet, you've refused him. You know what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to cast you out. You had your opportunity. The next chapter, chapter 22, he said, I have a wedding. All things are ready. I've killed my fatling, my animals. I've done it. It's not about you. It's what I've done, what my son. Because he mentions his son in that one too. Amen. I guess the application would be here. God is so gracious because again, in chapter 22, I think 4 or 5, he says, I'm going to let Israel have another chance. He's the God of the opportunity. Even for Israel after all that. But even for us, we're saved. We're so saved, it's forever saved. But if you become a Christian that it's all about you and not about him, you need to rethink that thing. And you, need to, you need to fall back in love with your Lord. You need to get on your knees and say, God, I am so sorry. I've got this thing all wrong. Lord, I'm going to start being what you want me to be, and it's not about me, and I'm not a casual Christian anymore. I'm going to be a sold-out, committed Christian. Amen? if you have the righteousness of Christ, which comes through faith in him. Let's wrap this up. God's offered his salvation to all that will receive it. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all ye labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're here today and you're not saved, do you want rest? Do you want salvation? Do you want to know that you know that you've been forgiven? Then it comes by faith. It comes by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes by repenting of your sin and receiving him and only him as your Lord and Savior. Amen. One of these days, life here on this earth will be over for all of us. And we will face Jesus. 
what will he say? You better go in there with the right garment on. Amen. Do you know that you know that you've received Jesus and you have the robe of his righteousness upon you? Amen. But I'm glad that if we mess up, and I've messed up plenty of times, that he's a God that will give us opportunity to make it right. Again, he said to the Jews, Come now, let us reason together, saith, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as well. That's Isaiah one eighteen. But he said to the Gentiles, John 5.24, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on me that sent me hath everlasting life. Now I'm going to receive that. So this morning we talked about guests and garments. Do you have the robe of righteousness from the Son of God, Jesus Christ? Has there been a time and a place in your life where you took in him by faith in your heart and life? Or are you trying to get into heaven on your own accord? It'll never work. You can't do enough good works to get in. You've got to rely on Christ. You've got to have a wedding garment. And it's the righteousness of Christ, not your righteousness. It's not about you. It's about him. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bowed. Now today I encourage you, receive the invitation. If you're here and you're not saved, come, receive the invitation. Come and receive Jesus Christ, God's Son, as your Savior. Come and receive the righteousness of Christ on your account. If you're here and you're saved and you're not in right relationship with your Lord, make it right. Because you'll stand before this same holy God one day and get an account of yourself. Don't be sloppy in your Christianity. Don't think that you can just approach God just any old way when, you're, when you feel like it, when you're up to it. No, no, that's wrong. Come and kneel before him in complete submission, total yieldedness, because it's not, it's not up to you. It's not about you. Lord, please get this through to the hearts of your people. Bring it afresh into my mind, Lord. You're worthy of respect and honor. You're worthy of being honored the best we can. And Lord, I pray that we'll see some of that again in God's people in these late days, these late hours. And Lord, please save the lost. I pray for Holy Spirit working. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand if we will.